0: Hallelujah, Lord. I feel like we've all been ministered to so much. I love how God works together. I didn't know the songs that Michelle was gonna bring forth today. I didn't know what Fred was, you know, but God is so good. He orchestrates everything for us. Okay, so our first scripture today on the crown of life is from Isaiah 62 verses one through three. And the TOL is the tree of life version. And I have several different versions. If it's not mentioned, most of the time it's NIV. But on this one, I decided to do the Tree of Life. It says, For Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? Okay, now just to let you know, this is Isaiah. They are talking about Zion, but Zion is us, okay? Israel, <laughs> you go up to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, the highest spot is Zion, right? Or another way, you have all the believers in Israel. You have the 70 disciples that went out two by two. You have the 12 disciples. You have the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. (laughs) Right? They went up on the mountain, a Mount of transfiguration. You know, you're getting closer, closer, closer to God. And then, even then, I've heard it said that John, he was the real disciple because he was the disciple that knew that God loved him. We are all John, and John means grace, right? And isn't that wonderful? I mean, what John had the revelation of, he received the love of God. He knew that he was the disciple that God loved. And that is so good that we don't have to be over here going, praying, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your might. It's not up to us doing, doing, doing to receive. We can receive from what God has given to us. He's given us all love, right? Right. Right? And as long as I'm saying that, it also says to ask and believe and receive. Right? Y'all know that? Hey, can I have your Bible? Doesn't matter. I asked. He provided, right? The Father God's good. Now what did I have to do? I had to take it. When we ask, we take it and we have it. And God's a good, good father. He's got good things for us. And he's always willing to pour out and to give out. But when we take it, no matter whether we see it or feel it, we have it. No condemnation. Hallelujah. We have no condemnation. Thank you. And he's my hubby, but my Jesus is my hubby. Huh? (laughs) All right. All right. Just a little thing. That's just starting. For Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like what? Like the blazing light of dawn and her salvation like a blazing torch. Nations will see our victory vindication and every king will witness our what? Our blinding radiance. We will be called by a brand new name given to us from the mouth of Yahweh, from Jesus himself. You will be a beautiful crown held high in the hand of Yahweh, a royal crown of splendor held in the open palm of your God. I saw this yesterday, <laughs> open, open palm, today's Palm Sunday, open palm, the open palms of God. He's willing to give to us everything we are the crown in his palm. We are now too. It, it, this is Isaiah, so he's saying, You will be. Remember, our brain receives now. Remember, we're on this side of the cross. We are royal crowns of splendor. We are beautiful crowns in God's hand. Then in James 1, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will what? They will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And of course, that's where I was talking about. We receive the love that God has for us. So today I'm going to share with you some passages from the word of God about the crown of life, about the grace of God, about Jesus providing us with the crown of life. Now, in studying about the crown, I found out that most of the time, crown means to be set apart for God, especially in the Old Testament. You had the tabernacle, and it had the table, it had the ark, it had the altar of incense in it, and everything was gold, right? But then the last thing that topped, it had this rim of what they call the crown on it. All those things were set apart for God. Even to it talking about Aaron, who was the high priest. It was talking about the high priest. He was the high priest at that time. It talked about he was topped with a crown of gold. And in Exodus 29, in the New American Standard, it says, You shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And again, crown meant something set apart, But the turban, it was talking about the turban, especially of a king or a priest. And I thought that was interesting to me because I'm going to share with you just a little bit today about the kings and the priests. And really what a turban is, you know, they had them in all different kinds. They were linen. I mean, if nothing else, it's a head covering and then, then the gold crowned over it but the main thing was is he was set apart it meant that he was set apart and we all know that we are kings and priests unto God right so in other words things that pertain to God were separated and we too because of Jesus we are separated unto God for his work we are crowned with honor and glory now the first time the crown is used in the Bible is in Genesis 49, verse 26. It was spoken by Jacob, by Daddy Jacob, before his death, as he was speaking blessings over all 12 of his sons. (laughs) But we know that Joseph was his favorite. Okay, so in 22, and this is the Amplified, it says, Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a wellspring or a, a fountain that whose branches run over the wall. In other words, he had fruit all over. He's prophesying this to Joseph, but that's how our Father God is. Anyway, Jacob goes on. There's four more verses of just blessings, this and blessings, that. And it talks about these blessings. They shall be on what? On the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who was the consecrated one, and the one separated from his brethren, the one who is prince among them. And of course, Joseph is seen as a forerunner, a picture of Jesus separated out from his brothers, and he ruled in Egypt. He was rejected by his brothers i was thinking about this last night you know to be rejected it's one thing when you know you have to be separate but it's another thing when your brothers like totally reject you and throw you in the pit you know think of that you know while they're over there eating lunch and you're in here way down in some pit i didn't look that up how deep they are but that's pretty bad when your brothers throw you away but that was what was a forerunner of what happened to jesus sold can you imagine the emotional pain But God turned everything around from the pit. He was potted by Potiphar, and then he was put up in a high position, loved by the Father. So before I talk to you a little bit more about the crown, I want to talk to you just a little bit about the robe, because most of the time when a king has the crown, he has the robe with it. Anyway, so we're going back a little further from Genesis. Uh, from 49, not to 1-1, one, one, but to 126, And God is saying here, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. Okay, so God created mankind, us, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Going a little further down to verse 31, God saw all that he made, and it was what? good what it says very it was very good god made us very good now some of the circumstances the things in life that we've had have not been good but god made us good there's nothing wrong with us and so in saying that i want to say that number one god made no junk so none of us are junk right? We all know that. And the other thing is, is we can't disqualify ourselves. Sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. And usually it's from some teaching that we've got, but we don't want to disqualify ourselves in any degree. Got to be careful with that because the enemy wants nothing more than us to look at ourselves and put ourselves down. But we can be conscious of Jesus and everything that he has done for us. Hallelujah. Okay, going further on into Genesis, Genesis 2:25. It says, "Adam and his wife Eve were both naked and they felt no shame." Hallelujah. So, here they were. They were in the beautiful garden, right? They were enjoying life, and there was no shame. Now, shame means pale. So, in other words, they were tan. <laughs> I love to go to beautiful gardens where all these people, they keep up the gardens and they're so pretty. Uh, A little prettier than mine might be. (laughs) We're all manicured and it's just beautiful. But that's what God wants for us. Now, shame also means to be confounded or disappointed. Okay, it says there was no shame. There was no disappointment. And this is another thing, we don't ever have to be disappointed. If we feel disappointed, no, God has appointed me. I am not accepting, I'm not receiving disappointment in any degree. And I'm not going to be confounded either, or, and it also has delayed. So there was no shame, there was none of that. They were not living under pressure of self or pressure of the demand of law. But they were living in the grace and the supply of the grace of God's glory. Just to also remind you, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, was Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. For in him was life, the Zoe life, and that life was the light of all mankind, Jesus living in us, that Zoe life living in us, his glorious light being manifest in us, being manifest through us. Light, of course, meaning to be manifest, to be, to shine, to be that luminousness. And also in Hebrews 1, 1, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, you and me, all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So man, Adam and Eve, is made in the image and the likeness of God, in the presence of God, in the light and the glory of Jesus, Adam and Eve have been created. Okay, so of course we have a little problem because now we're gonna get to Genesis 3, right? With Adam and Eve and God says, where are you Adam? <laughs> Is that what he said, right? He said, where are you Adam? And Adam says, well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, well, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam said, you know, (laughs) the woman made me do it. (laughs) The woman you gave me. (laughs) Uh, That's how we all do it. The woman you gave me made me do it. But then Eve said what? She said, well, the devil deceived me, and I ate the fruit. So now they're naked, they're feeling shame, they run to the fig tree, they're feeling pale because they're under the fig tree, because you know those fig leaves, the fig leaves that they're talking about, they look like a hand, but they're big. They are big, for some of us bigger people. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Um, now they're feeling pale because they made decisions in their own thinking, in their own self-righteous thinking, in their self-deception, in their unrighteous moment. They made fig leaves to cover. Oh, do leaves keep their greenness very long? <laughs> but our Father God, in his love, and his mercy, what did he do? He made garments of skin, leather, waterproof. <laughs> Besides those fig leaves, we live in Wisconsin. Don't they kind of like dry up and fly away? <laughs> in our own self-righteousness, we think everything is fine, but God knows, and he gives us his righteousness. He gives us It says, for Adam, he gave for Adam and Eve, and he what? He clothed them. Hallelujah. The Father God clothed us. Clothed means to wrap around, to put on a garment. And with that, yes, Isaiah 61, verse 10, it says, For God has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. And this is where I was going, the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom puts on a turban, And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Another example of the robe is the prodigal son. When he came back, the father gave him a robe, right? It was the restoration of righteousness. It was a gift. It was a gift. He didn't have to do anything. He came back to the father, but he didn't have to do anything. The father God gave that. And he gave his ring of authority. So, we have clothing. We can put on that garment of praise and thanksgiving to the Father God. I also like Romans 5, 17, too. It says, For if by the one man's transgression death reigned through the one man, that being Adam, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift, the robe of righteousness, We shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus. So we got an option. Is it life or death? God said, choose life, right? He gave us his righteousness, his robe of righteousness, that we can reign in life with light. (laughs) And then there's Matthew 6, and that says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin because the flowers, what? They have the seed within They have the seed within, and it just comes forth. We're not out there doing anything. I mean, I'm not. (laughs) We might have fertilized them or something, but my uh, daffodils, I don't do anything with them. They just come up, and they have pretty flowers. We have the grace of God in us. We have the seed of God in us. We have the righteousness in us from the Father God, the gift of Father God in us. We're living from the inside out. Then he says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. Now Solomon, he probably had the biggest crown, the beautiful crown, the prettiest robe in his kingly garb. You know, but God says, because we have Jesus in our heart, we have God's grace and the seed, that's springing forth, that light is springing forth in us and that is more beautiful to him. Beauty (laughs) in his hands were a beautiful crown. All right, so then going on, Psalms 8, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You have made them rulers over the work of your hands. You have put everything under their feet. Wow, if you ever have a down moment, (laughs) go read (laughs) Psalms 8. How majestic, Lord, is your name on all the earth. When I looked up that crown, that crown meant to encircle. And it said, for attack or protection, a crown. And we are crowned with glory, and that glory was a weight. But it wasn't a heavy weight like a burden that you carry. It was a lightweight. (laughs) A weight of light. Splendor. Copiousness. I had to look that up. Abundance. Is that not our God? He always gives more than enough. He gives us sunlight, but do you know how much sunlight is expended just so that we get all the light we get? He always does that. He gives us more than enough, and we carry that light. We are crowned with that type of glory, with His splendor. He gives us life, and life more abundant, and with glory and honor. Honor! is magnificent. Do we not carry the magnificence of our Father God within us, the splendor of the Father God with his majesty and his beauty? Yes. God is mindful of us human beings, Adam, Eve, you, and me. (laughs) He made and placed us in the garden of life. He crowned us with glory, with splendor, with abundance. He put us in his open hand. We are his crowned beauty and we are majestic and magnificent in honor, ruling over everything. Now, that was in Psalms. That was David. Here we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. The writer says, There is a place where someone has testified, saying, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. But we see him now crowned with glory and honor because... He suffered death for everyone. Okay, so this is Hebrews. This is on the other side of the cross. And he's saying Jesus has suffered for us and he is crowned with glory and honor to give us life. So here, did you notice it said mankind, but then on the second one, the son of man that you care for us. The son of man now crowned, Jesus has suffered. He has suffered all for us. In Revelations 1 verse 5 in the King James, this is unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made, there's that word again, made who? Us. Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And then in Revelation 10, it says the very same thing, only added, and we shall reign. Remember, we use that, reign in life. We shall reign on earth with life. Thank you, Jesus. So, now this is kind of where I was thinking about all the different kinds of headgear, you know, and the king wears a crown, but what do the priests wear? So I was looking at, we're made kings and priests, and our Jesus, he was of the lineage of King David, and he is our high priest, and we are made in his likeness. So we have two things, the double portion. (laughs) In the following verses is where we see the priest clothed with righteousness and God's promise to King David that he would place a descendant for David on the throne. And so in In Psalms 132, verse nine, David writes this. He says, may your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for you. Oh, for the sake of your servant, David, who was king, do not reject your anointed one. The Lord swore an oath to me, David, a sure oath that he will not revoke. One of your own descendants I will place on the throne. So God has given him a promise. Continuing on in verse 13, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling, saying, This is my resting place forever and ever. Here I will sit enthroned, for I have desired it. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor I will satisfy with food. I will clothe her priests." with salvation, and her faithful people will ever sing for joy. Here I will make a horn grow for David. When I looked up that word horn, it meant king. (laughs) God is saying, here I will make a king grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but his head will be adorned with a radiant crown hallelujah maybe that crown is just a little bit different than solomon's crown or david's crown what do you think when i looked up that crown again that meant something set apart something dedicated as of a priest or it said what is called a chaplet and that meant i looked that up that meant a garland or a wreath especially of royalty So that made me think a little bit about the priest. And so then I went to Hebrews 4, and that says, We have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet, He did not sin. And then a little further on in Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 1, it says, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. And then it says, in the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek had no beginning and no ending. Melchizedek again was like that showing that Jesus was always there. A priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So I went back to Exodus 39, verse 30 in the King James concerning the priest. It says, and they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like to the engravings of a signet. And what they wrote was holiness to the Lord. So that was a gold crown. And that crown, it was like a band that came around here, came from here to here. It was engraved. Holiness to the Lord. Okay, what I'm telling you is we're all stamped. We're all holy. We don't have to try to make ourselves holy. It's a gift from the Father God, and he says you're holy. Have you ever had those days when your thoughts didn't feel so holy? (laughs) Get out, devil. I am set apart. I'm a priest unto God. You cannot operate in me no more. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. We are holy and holy here, (laughs) holy here. In Hebrews, it says that he imprinted on their minds and engraved on their hearts the word of God. Okay, so again, it was from the Old Testament for the priest, but we are kings and priests. We have holiness written on us. (laughs) And again, that's the crown set apart meant the same thing. Holiness, it meant a sacred place or a thing, sanctity, saint, (laughs) right? Saint Mary, Saint David, Saint Bob, Saint (laughs) Jean, (laughs) holiness to the Lord, right? We're saints set apart. We receive this by faith now. As priests, we have holiness in our thought life to the Lord. We are the separated, the consecrated, the dedicated, holy ones. And should we find ourselves thinking on other things, we do have the authority of Jesus. You know, some people are hindered the first thing in the morning with thoughts and responsibilities and weights and burdens of the day. But by faith, we are the holy ones of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we send the little imp. (laughs) <laughs> flying, we have authority because we know who we are and we know that Jesus has defeated the devil. He has defeated the devil. <laughs> yeah, no feet, <laughs> rolls around. He has a big mouth, I know, he has a big mouth, but he's just a an any tiny little devil. <laughs> and we got a big, big, big God. You know, this is how I've always seen it. You know, here's little old me, but I'm in Christ Jesus. So if I'm in Christ Jesus, and then God is looking down at Christ Jesus, He is seeing all the brilliance, all the light, all the perfection of Jesus. And as long as I stay in Christ Jesus, He's not seeing any of my ickies. (laughs) You know, it's beautiful. The Father God is looking at Jesus Christ in each one of us. God's not picky at all. He sees Jesus. He sees the beauty and the glory of Jesus. Okay, The devil comes at you, just tell him to go talk to Jesus (laughs) because the blood of the lamb has defeated the enemy. And besides, we know our father, God loves us. And he gave us his son, Jesus to redeem us, right? Jesus suffered death so that we are all crowned with life, with glory and honor to him. Jesus is both our high priest and our king. In Revelation 17, verse 14, it says, He is the Lamb, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings. So let's just look at the King of Kings. And for that, I'm gonna go to John 12, and starting in verse 12, starting there, it says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival had come for Passover, come up to Jerusalem. They heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Now, he was on his way to Jerusalem from Bethany, and Bethany wasn't that far away. But in Bethany, what had happened there was Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, right? All right, so here we have the dead and life. Whoa! You know, in Acts 10, it says everywhere Jesus went, he was healing people. He healed everybody. Everybody that heard about Jesus, they were all excited. You know, he raised Lazarus, I mean, Lazarus from the dead. He had raised the woman from Nain. He had raised that guy out of the casket, but he wasn't in the ground. I mean, Lazarus had been in the ground for four days. You know, that would be something to talk about, right? I mean, really, you know, I would have loved that, you know. (laughs) Bury my mom, and four days later, you know, (laughs) come out. (laughs) Oh, I would have loved that. I would have been following Jesus, I think. Anyway, they'd heard about him. So it says the great crowd, they heard about Jesus and they took, what did they take? Palm branches. Hosanna! (laughs) Hosanna! (laughs) And they went out to meet Jesus, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! They were declaring Jesus was the King. He acted like a King, but he never, as far as I could find, he never said he was a King. He came as a servant to do God's will. But he will come as a King at that moment, though, he was riding on a donkey. And he was fulfilling the scripture in Zechariah 9, nine, where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion! Shout, daughter Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So, like I said, Jesus is not declaring or boasting that he is king. And certainly the Pharisees are not stating that about him. <laughs> oh, Lord. But many of the Jewish people had started following and believing that Jesus was the king. Continuing on in John twelve seventeen, it says, Now the crowd that was with Jesus, when he had called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, this crowd, they continued to spread the word, and a few people, because they heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet Jesus. that was that? What? Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, <laughs> he had raised the dead to life, went out to meet Jesus. So <laughs> the Pharisees were mad there's probably a lot of terms that you could use but this made them mad and they finally said look the whole world has taken off after this Jesus after all you know raising a dead man caused quite a stir in the country right so much so they wanted to kill Jesus but not only him Lazarus let's get rid of Lazarus too you know you ever felt like that the enemy trying to kill you he cannot succeed hallelujah so Now I'm just going to kind of give you just a little summary of what goes on here. So when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, even the Greeks, they sent a message. They wanted to hear Jesus. I don't know what that really meant. but I mean, other than, you know, the Greeks wanted to hear it too. And they're usually the ones that have to have the educational part, right? They have I don't know, but but I just thought it was interesting. They wanted to see him. And then it goes on, and Jesus is giving them lots of different information. And finally, he says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he says in verse 24, he says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds where the flowers with the seeds in it were the crowned in his hand, spreading the word of God. And of course, then there was also in that area, there was the uh, voice from God, or maybe the thunder, <laughs> confirming that, yes, he was going to glorify his name. And then we'll pick it up in John 12, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me, only but in the one who sent me. And the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Remember John 1, 1? In him was life, and that life was the light of the world. We can have death, or we can have light and life. So then I'm leaving John 12, and I'm going to go to John 18. But I'm just going to give you a little summary here before we actually go to the verses. So now they have arrested Jesus. They've taken him to Annas and Caiaphas and the high priest. And then they've brought him to Pilate. And Pilate has asked the Jewish leaders, well, what charges are you bringing him to me for? And they answered, well, if he's not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. (laughs) And Pilate said, well, take him yourself and judge by your law. And they replied, well, we do not have a right to execute anyone. So then picking it up in John 18, verse 33, Pilate says to Jesus, Are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Is that your idea? Or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate says, What am I, a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world for if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place pilate not understanding this says well are you king then and jesus says you say that i'm a king in fact the reason i was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth everyone on the side of truth listens to me Ooh, I'd like to use that one in today's world. <laughs> anyway, that's what Jesus said. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. But Pilate retorted saying, well, what is truth? Then Pilate, he went out again to the Jews that were all gathered there. And he said, first time he says, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him. Give me Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. So then going on, John 19, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face, and probably a whole lot worse. And again, that crown, it simply says to twine, or it's a garland or a wreath, as a badge of royalty, a prize in the public games, or a symbol of honor generally. But they were mocking him. The other crown that I read back in the Old Testament, it was a crown of attack. Or a crown, was it a crown of attack or protection? Well, this was the crown of death, a crown of thorns. Jesus was the ultimate servant of God, coming to do God's will, to fulfill his purpose, enduring the accusations, the mockery of the world and the Pharisees, to die in our place, to redeem us from the curse of death, from the curse of confusion, from the curse of madness, from the curse of diseases and poverty, to give us the blessings of life, to give us the crown of life. Continuing on in John 19, verse 4, it says, Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews that were gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. Number two, he has said this. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Well, here's the man. Now, as I was thinking about this, you know, John the Baptist He said, Behold the Lamb of God. And here Pilate's saying, Here's the man. Not recognizing him as the Son of God or a king, but just a man. But God is mindful. Remember, God is mindful of mankind. Continuing on in John 19, verse 6. As soon as the chief priest and their officials saw them, they shouted, Crucify! Hang him on the cross! But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him three times. I want to tell you, when the enemy comes against you, they could find no accusation against Jesus. So there's no accusation that can be found against us either. So don't listen to that. None. No, no, no. I am a child of the king there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, God, you know, if I've done something, he'll show us, but he'll never condemn us. God doesn't do it. He leads us. He shows us. He's a sweet, gentle voice. He does not use condemnation against us. There's no accusation that can be brought against us. Pilate, the third time he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. And the Jewish leaders insisted with I'm sure, much malice and hatred and self-justification. Well, we have a law, and according to the law, he must die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. And then Pilate, it says in verse 8, Pilate was more afraid and went to talk to Jesus again. He talked for a long time, saying a lot of things, and he tried to set Jesus free. But in 12, it says, But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. For anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. They're threatening him, accusing him. In verse 14, it says, It was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was already about noon. So Pilate brought Jesus out and said to the Jews, Here is your king. In verse 15, they said, Take him away, crucify him. And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answers, Well, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. So they have mocked him with a crown and a robe. They have mocked the king of kings. Jesus took the shame, the accusation, the full judgment, and the punishment for sin, for mankind, for me, for you. He died for us that we would inherit the crown of life. It is through his death, it is through his burial, it is through his resurrection that we are his crown, his beautiful crown in his hand. We are his seed, spreading the word of life to others. In 1 Peter, it says that in God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil or fade. In Corinthians, it talks about the runner running the race to get the prize. And everyone who practices and competes receives The wreath receives the prize, receives the crown that does not last. But we are running the race of life. We receive the crown that will last forever. We practice listening to the Holy Spirit. We practice following the voice of God, living by the grace of God, providing salvation to us. This grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, no to worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, living from the inside out. this same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us and giving life to our mortal bodies. In Colossians, it says that we give joyful thanks to the Father, the Father who has qualified. There's where I said, don't disqualify yourself because the Father has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. It is important to remember who we are, for because of Jesus, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We walk in his righteousness. We are crowned with the light and the glory of the Father because Jesus gave his life for us. We are his beloved. We are kings and priests unto God. And as Jesus is, so are we. We are set apart for his holiness we thank you, Father God. We thank you for sending Jesus our sacrifice to restore all things to us and that we can ask according to your word, that we believe and we receive your kingdom. We walk in your authority and rule according to your way, your truth, and your life. Thank you, Father God. Thank you that As your chosen people, Father God, that we are holy, that we are dearly loved by you. We thank you, Father God, that we are clothed with the robe, with the gift of righteousness that you've provided to us. We thank you, Father God, for the abundance of grace that we can reign in life today. Your righteousness in us allows the Holy Spirit to renew how we think Father, open our eyes and show us your way and your truth. And thank you, Father, for everlasting joy that crowns our heads, that causes sorrow and sighing to flee away. Oh, Jesus, help us to keep you in the center of our lives. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We glorify your name and we thank you, Father God, for All the word that you have given us today. And I just ask that you minister to my brothers and sisters as the week and the days go on, Father God, that whatever it is that they have needed today, Father God, that you have provided an answer for them, Father God. In Jesus' name, I believe that we are blessed and deeply loved, Father God. And with great grace, Father God, you pour onto them this week and that their light will shine through them, that you love them, Father God.